This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, let's, let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 8 before I get in trouble here. Also, as you're turning Matthew 8, all you men a week from Friday, the 26th, is our broken. Come on out to that. Get an opportunity to hang out with Manny Ramirez. And man, he's, he's, he's just a good man of God. I enjoy being around Manny. I remember the first time I shook his hand. My little hand disappeared. I thought, where did it go? And he, and he hugged me and I thought, boy, this is sweet. I come up to his belly button. This is awesome. You know, so you realize how big he is, but he is, he's a gentle giant. So we welcome you to that also. All right, we've been talking about the authority of the believer's spiritual laws. And when we even talk about Jesus coming to the earth as a man, he came as, as a man to become here legally. And, and the passages of Scripture that help us with that, and you're probably going to hear me reference this several times. In John 3, the Lord said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, do I enter my mother's womb the second time? And he said, no, but that which is born of water and the spirit. And so that which is born of the water was that of a mother. Now we know Jesus had a mother. Her name was Mary. And so literally Jesus himself, his birth here on earth as a man. You know the Bible's very clear that he came in flesh and blood. He was tempted as a man, tried as a man, he died as a man, he bled as a man. But he came here legally. And so let's watch some of the scripture here. And I believe this will really, really help you tonight. Matthew 8. Start with me in verse 28. When he, Jesus, had come to the other side to the country of Gadara, there met him two demon-possessed men. Two men that were possessed of the devil. Okay? Now, when this happens, guys, and it still happens, it's still alive and real, but it doesn't mean these men were bad men. It does mean that they opened the door to the devil somehow in their life. And, and there in Ephesians 4, it says, don't give place to the devil. So there's certain things that we can do to give place to the devil. I've been full of the devil, guys, before I gave my heart to Jesus. He, he dominated me, and so... This is what this is talking about. He goes on to say, two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs. Now this tells me right here, these guys lived in the cemetery. Freaky, that's crazy. I mean, people who live in the... I don't, I don't like to go to the cemetery. But this is where they lived. Keep reading. And they were exceedingly fierce violent so that no one could pass that way now when i read this right here it was a result of the demons in them the demons that were in them influenced them that's why they were in the tombs that's why they were exceedingly violent now people have asked me this question who are these demons and where they come from well if we go back to the beginning of time, when the archangel Lucifer rebelled against God and God kicked him out of heaven, a third of the angels came with him. They were booted out and those demons reside right here on earth. They reside in the depths of hell in the spirit realm. 
So that's who these demons are. They are fallen angels. And we need to understand this. They are going to be on this earth and, and causing problems until Jesus comes back. But when Jesus comes back, according to Revelations 20 and 10, they will be thrown into the, the, the lake of brimstone and fire throughout eternity. Now, I've heard people say this before. Well, if the devil and those demons mess with me, I'm going to just cast them back to hell and I'm going to bind them up in hell for eternity. Well, that's a good thought. But it's not biblical. They have a right to be here. Why do they have a right to be here? Because we remember a few weeks ago, we studied in Genesis where God said to man, I give you authority. I give you dominion to subdue here on earth. So all that authority God gave to Adam. And then when Adam sinned, all his authority was given to them. And then on the flip side of that, if it was biblical to bind them up in hell where they never got out again, don't you think Jesus would already have done it? So we go back and it says, The two demon-possessed men came out of the tombs and were exceedingly fierce. Six weeks ago when I began to study this, this is the verse that really got my attention. When it says they were exceedingly fierce, I started looking at every translation I could find and right there by the word fierce in my Bible, it had a little asterisk mark and it cross-referenced and it takes me to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now that word perilous there means harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, a society that is barren of virtue. In other words, we don't fear God. And so when I look at this, one translation says it, would be, it will be difficult to be a Christian. So what he's warning me and you about is understand as time goes on, and the end of this thing is coming to a close. It's going to become difficult, okay? I don't say this to put fear in people. It's not going to get better. That doesn't mean we just roll over and quit. This is where this was birthed. When the Lord said to me when I read that, He said, you've got to teach people the truth. You've got to teach them the authority because in these last days, this is what's going to begin to happen. And so as I read these right here, I thought, Lord, saturate us with the truth in this area. D depending on your age, and I, I, you know, I, I know it's probably not right for me to say how old some of you are or not. But in my life right now, I, I can look back. And I can literally see how wickedness is progressing. From, from the 70s till now. I mean, I, I hate to do this to you, Jane. Jane is getting close to 80, right? Have you seen it progress? See, I, I, and I can only imagine what she's seen. And so the farther we go along, it becomes very evident. I mean, think about it in this sense. I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, 
Man, some of the worst thing you'd ever see on TV was when uh, Beaver Cleaver's mom kissed their eyes, daddy. I mean, you'd look and say, oh, they kissed. And then remember when Gone with the Wind came and they cussed and you're like, oh my. And now, I mean, you can't go a, a, a sitcom without crazy stuff. And so you begin to see how our society is progressing. Again, I can't get into that, that caught up in that flow and think, oh, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be. So we keep reading here. Verse 29. And suddenly they cried out. One translation said, they screamed out, saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Now, it's interesting to me right here, they address Jesus as the Son of God. Remember I said this last week, that if Jesus came to the earth as the Son of God, he would have been here illegally. So many references to him when he came to earth, he came as the Son of Man. So literally when they say, you, you came here as the Son of God, they're questioning his authority. Now watch how it ends in verse 29. Have you come here to torment us before the time. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus? Before the time. What time? The second coming. The second coming. They know when Jesus comes back, the second coming. They can't stop that. But right now, they're basically saying, why are you interfering? You've come before it's your time. You're not here legally. And this is where they go with this. And so they question this. And again, when it says you've come before your time, they know their ultimate fate. They know what's going to happen. So understand this. As the devil knows this is all funneling this way, he keeps turning up the heat. He knows his time is limited here on the earth. Verse 30. Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast it out, permit us to go away with the herd of swine. And I believe in this verse right here, when they say, If you do, they're, they're, they're questioning his authority again. Do you have authority? Now Jesus proves to him he has authority. Watch verse 32. And he said to them, Go. He said one word. Go. Nothing weird, nothing flat, just as simple as go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and they perished there in the water. So right there it shows me they obeyed the name of Jesus. They had to obey his name. And, and right here when you see these pigs they die or are destroyed. It shows you the intent of the devil. Remember, John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so in this situation, they were destroyed. But understand this, if Jesus wouldn't have taken authority over them and cast them out of those men, they would have ultimately destroyed those men. And again, it shows me, man, Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people. He was concerned about mankind, and he's still concerned about mankind. Now, understand this. The demons need a human being to manifest on this earth. 
They need a body so they can express themselves through it. That's why they always want to possess mankind. Because you know why? Me and you are here legally. We were born as a mother. You know what a guy said to me one day? So then why did they get into the pigs? Here's a great thought for you. Every one of those pigs that ran off that cliff, they had a mother. The pigs were here legally. They had a mother too. So again, it just shows me that the demons are going to try to possess anything they can. Now watch what happens here. Verse 33. Then those who kept him fled, and they went away into the city, and they told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. Now, for years, I would look at that and said, what would happen tonight if we saw someone get set free from, from living in the cemeteries? To be an extremely... Man, I would say, praise the Lord, this is awesome. But these people told Jesus, depart from our region. Why would they do that? You know what I believe it was? They were more concerned about their investments or their possessions than they were about having relationship with Jesus. And they would rather Jesus go and get out of their life than live and be changed. And so again, when I look at these right here, I begin to say, okay, Lord, if you cast these out right here, you said in, in Luke 10, verse 19, I give you authority to do the same things. And so he's given me and you an authority. Now, go with me to the book of John, chapter 5. John, chapter 5. And we're going to show you a little bit more about how authority works. But I, I look back at the passage we just read, and with every one of, this, uh, every one of us in this room, I'll either be concerned with my comfort level or I'll become more concerned with my commitment to Jesus. And that's what so much is this about. I'm, I'm going to be committed to Jesus. I want to live for the Lord. John chapter 5, verse 24. Most surely I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. That's how we get born again. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. He passed from death, spiritual death, into spiritual life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who are here will leave. Now, listen what he said. Those who are dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. When Jesus returns the second time, he won't return as the Son of Man. He's already came to man. When he comes the second time, he's going to come as the Son of God. Now we're going to notice because he's going to come in and there's going to be a trumpet sound. And I mean things are going to start happening. Keep reading. For as the Father has life in himself, so he the Father has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. So when we go back and look at the son of man this time. Now remember when he comes the second time he's the son of God. But to execute and have authority on earth he had to be the son of man. So again so much of that ties in to the book of John 
chapter 5 where he said you must be born again. So God is the source and the creator of life. And when we talk about the Son of Man here, Jesus has authority. Now listen what authority means. Lawful permission to execute power. Lawful permission to execute power. And so we see all the illustrations of Jesus that when he was on this earth, he had lawful permission to execute power. But Jesus isn't here no more. You know where he's at? The Bible's clear that he's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you. And so when Jesus left this earth, you know what he did? He pitched us the keys. That's Matthew 16, 19. And he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you the authority. So the same authority that he used right here on earth as the Son of Man, he said, I've given it to you. Now for every one of us in this room, we've got to understand the name of Jesus. Man, I get a revelation on who Jesus is. Man, I begin to speak his name, speak his name. Here's a good scripture for you. In Mark 16, starting in verse 15, it says, To those who believe, in my name you'll lay hands on the sick. To those who believe, you'll cast out devils. Now, I want you to get a hold of that because he didn't say to those pastors, to those priests. He said to those who believe. That's every one of us. If I'm a believer and Jesus is Lord of my life, I have his permission, his blessings. Use my name. Use my Speak the name of Jesus. Speak, wear it out. When the devil tries to mess with you in your sleep, I mean, speak the name of Jesus. Don't put up with it. Why? Because God's given me authority. He's given you authority. Now, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Mark, chapter 11. As we're turning here to Mark 11, we begin to see that through the passage we just read, the devil's question, Jesus' authority here on earth. Now, in Mark 11, I'm going to start in verse 27. The subtitle above verse 27, my Bible says, Jesus' authority is questioned. That may say that in your Bible. Begin in verse 27. Then they came again to Jerusalem, and he was walking into the temple. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, they came to him. Now, all these that he's talking about in verse 27, these were the religious leaders of their time. They were the religious leaders, okay? Verse 28. And they said to Jesus, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? Now, when I read this here, it's interesting that the demons challenged his authority, but so did the religious. And I really wonder if the demons were influenced the religious to say, we got to find out where he's getting his authority and who gave it to him. So in this passage right here, they ask him, they ask him two questions. Look at the two questions. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these? Now, watch what happens here. But Jesus answered and said, I also will ask you one question. Then answer me and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. So when Jesus responds to him this way right here, 
Jesus knew if they would answer his question, their answer to his question would answer both of their questions. In other words, they weren't going to hem Jesus in, but they thought they were. And so he's literally saying, who do you say John Baptist? What was his baptism of? Now watch this, keep reading. Verse 30. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. Answer me. I'm going to give you a little insight right here. I'm going to tell you what the answer was. John's baptism was of man. But John was sent from God. The baptism was from man. But John was sent from God. We go back to John chapter 3 and verse 5 about the part about being born again. He said, you must be born of water, of a mother, and of the spirit, of the things of God. And so right here, Jesus clarifies to me and you that same passage in John 3, 5 once again. Now watch what takes place here after he says this, verse 31. And they reason among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Then why didn't you believe him? He was sent from God. Verse 32, But if we say from men, they feared the people for all counted on, have been a prophet indeed. And so when I look at this right here, Jesus himself, if he would have answered this before them, he would have said, I gained the authority I have by number one, being born on earth as a man, and number two, being born of the Spirit. See, it's the same thing. And so, so much of what we go off of here on earth is exactly what Jesus did. When we read Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. Why? He was born here as a man and he was filled with the Spirit of God just like me and you. And so literally what Jesus ultimately begins to tell me and you, man, you're my hands, you're my feet, you're my voice right here. I've given you everything you need. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, it says, we are, or our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right here on earth, the means in which the whole, he moves right through our body. It didn't say our soul. And so God channels his ability, God channels his authority and his power right through us. And that's why it says, you lay your hands on them. You cast the devil out of them. You don't have to put up with that stuff. Now I want to take you to one more passage here tonight while we still got a little bit of time. Go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I, I, I think at times we've, we've overthought these things. We just hadn't looked at how the comparison with what Jesus did. And we say, you know what, I can't do those things. But yet Jesus told you, you can do those things. You do them in my name and understand it's not you. I mean, when stuff like that happens, the best thing is, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, you've given me power. You've given me authority. Two weeks ago, we've been praying a lot throughout the week, and we've been binding the devil up. That's, that's uh, Matthew 16, 19. I give you the authority to loose and bind. We're binding, we're binding, we're binding, we're binding. 
And what I'm getting ready to tell you, I don't tell you this to put fear in you, okay? Anytime you mess with a hornet's nest, they're going to come after you. And so when I started messing with the hornet's nest, guys, I hadn't, I hadn't had issues in my sleep for, for years. And about two weeks ago, man, I had some stuff in my sleep that wasn't good at all. And I knew. I knew. I started messing with that hornet's nest and he came after me. So what would you do, Pastor? Did you run and hide? Shoot, no. As a kid, man, when we messed with the hornet's nest, you know what we did? We went and got the tennis rackets and it was on. Whack. And so I started saying, in the name of Jesus, I don't care what hornet's nest in the spiritual realm, I'm not going to back off in the name of Jesus. And so I tell you that at times you might as well get ready because the devil doesn't like it when you, but who cares? We win. We win in the name of Jesus. And there's times you just got to be bold with this. Colossians 2, verse 13. And you, that's us, being dead in your trespasses or your sin, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, your nature, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Thank the Lord, that's good news for me. It's good news for you. So we've been made alive. I'm alive, I'm alive because of Jesus. Having wiped out, having wiped out our slate wiped clean, the handwritten requirements... And what he was talking about, the handwritten requirements that was against us, the message says, the arrest warrants that were against us. You know, every one of us in here had arrest warrants. You know why? We were all guilty. And so it says here, the handwritten requirements or the arrest warrants that were against us, which was contrary to us, Jesus has taken it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross. So you know what he did? Jesus took our arrest warrant and he canceled it. And you know what he did? He nailed it to the cross and he said, paid in full. Paid in full. I, I bailed every one of you out. He did too. Thank the Lord. Woo-hoo. So in a court of law, man, I'm, I'm innocent. I'm innocent because the blood of Jesus. You're innocent. All your sin, everything. And, and, and what the devil will say, they're guilty. They've lied, they've done this, they've done that. And every time he, he accuses us, Revelations 12, 10 says he's the accuser of the brethren. Night and day he stands before God and he says, they're guilty, they're guilty, they're guilty. And in the court of law, God looks at him and he says, show the evidence. And Jesus strolls in, our intercessor, our advocate, our lawyer. He puts his hands out and he shows the nail prints. And then he turns around and says, and God takes his, his is it a gavel? Innocent. Case dismissed. And we walk out. Now watch what happens here in verse 15. This is what Jesus did. Having disarmed, disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, what you got to understand is this. Jesus didn't annihilate them. He couldn't, but he took their authority. So the only way these demons, these principalities and powers that he disarmed has authority is when me and you give it to them. 
When we don't use our authority, they're like an old bully. They will run right over us. And so guess what Jesus did? When he went to hell for those three days and nights, he disarmed principalism. He took on every one of them. And then you know what he did before he left? He had a hell day parade. Not a Rose Bowl parade. He had a hell day parade. And he put them all on on floats. And he strung them around hell. And he showed them and he said, I disarmed every one of you. Everything that you threw at me, he said, I disarmed you. You now have no authority. He looked at sickness and said, no more anger, no more. Every one of them. And guess who he did that? He didn't do it for him. He did it for me and you. And he said, here, here, here's the keys, here's the keys. And so really all that's happened now is there's been a transfer. And so I win, you win. But again, I've got to do what Jesus has told me to do. And he said, in my name, in my name, in my name, in my name, in my name. Everything's in the name of Jesus. You know what I love about the name of Jesus? It's unlimited. I really believe when we use that name and there's authority in that name, all of hell stands at attention. When they know someone knows the name, they begin to take notice. They take notice of the ones that say, uh-uh, you're not going to mess with my kid. You're not going to mess with my wife. You're, gonna not, you're not going to mess with me at work in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you. And so that's the same for every one of us. And so it all comes back to John 3, verse 5, just like with Jesus. Are you born of a mother? Yes, every one of us in this room were born of a mother. And are we born again or born of the Spirit? We ask Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. When I'm that way, guess what? And I'm a child of God, just as we say. I'm a child of God. i got a good, good father. And it's all because of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.